1: And today we get to start a new series. Who's ready? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed our last series talking about who am I, talking about who we are. And didn't Pastor Jesse just do a great job wrapping us up last week? Come on. Man, the power of the Holy Spirit was just so here in this place. If you missed it, please go back and 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 watch it or listen to it. It was just excellent. It was such a great time, such a great explanation of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're just going to let him continue that today, if that's all right. Not Jesse, the Holy Spirit. Uh, today, we're kicking off a new series called The House of the Lord. The House of the Lord. And... Uh, we have this, the, a privilege in this series to get to hear from our children's pastor next next week. Yeah, Pastor Kenny will be in here preaching. I'm really excited about that. You should be excited too. Uh, bring a friend. It's going to be awesome. And then also in this series, we also get the privilege of hearing from our uh, Celebrate Recovery pastor. Pastor Janet is going to be preaching. Yep, so get here. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're just going to have a great time in this series. And I just want to pray and open us up this morning. Just So will you just... Let's just pray. God, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. We, we're here to meet with you today, not to hear anything that I have prepared or anybody else, but just to hear from you. So we open up our hearts, God, to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Would you stir on our hearts? Would you just put your finger on our hearts today and just... Hmm. Have your way in this place. Whatever you want to do today, God, we're here for that. Whatever you want to do, God, we just give you today, we give you this whole series. We just want to honor you with your word. We open up our hearts to you today, Jesus, in your precious name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 I did a little camping this week nice. Uh, Moses and I got out of town with a couple of a few guys from, from Vineyard, and we just hung out up, up at uh, Bull Trout Lake. Uh, yeah, it was just a little bit smoky up there. That's a lie. It was extremely smoky up there. Sometimes you couldn't see all the way across the lake. Um, it was beautiful, though. We had such a great time. Um, we uh, hiked those boys' legs off one day. It was a lot of fun. Almost hiked my legs off uh, I realized that I hadn't done um, that elevation and, you know, three miles in and three miles out in a little while. So um, I'm going to be standing a little more still today, if that's OK. <laughs> my knees hurt. <laughs> we had a great time. It was just great to, you know, just get away and hear from God. Just I spent some time just by myself walking around the lake and just just be able to hear from the Lord and just quiet my heart before God and um, and just and as I did, this, this series just has, we've been, in, um, we've been preparing for this, service, this series for a few months, actually, we, we planned it out a while ago. And God's just been really stirring some things in us as a teaching team that we're excited to share with you. And today, we're specifically kicking off this series called The House of the Lord. And you know, Psalm 122.1 says, and we've probably all heard it if you've been in church at any length of time, Psalm 122 one twenty two one. David says, I was glad. Everybody say glad. Glad. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is out of one of the Psalms of Ascent. This is when they were headed to the temple, when the children of Israel would take their pilgrimage to the temple itself and to the tabernacle, to the tent of meeting, whatever was set up at that time to meet with God as they were on their way. This was one of the songs they would sing. They would sing this out. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. It did something in my heart when someone said, hey, let's go to church. Let's Now, We don't always have that same reaction, do we? My kids, when I wake them up sometimes on a Sunday morning, they're like, what? It's what day? (laughs) It's not always glad. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. In this series, we're looking at the house of the Lord. These days, we have church buildings like this, like a building that has kind of evolved as the congregation has grown and evolved, and we've added to it and built and added on, and there's rooms for this and a room for that and a gymnasium and a school and things like that. That's a, you know, today that's kind of in, in, in our area, that's kind of a pretty common thing. It's called a church, right? It's a building. We have soaring cathedrals, we also, that, that, are, that are beautiful with stained glass windows and, and saints on the outside and just beautiful representations that are meant to remind us of the glory of God. We have house churches that meet in living rooms and kitchens and dining rooms and coffee shops that remind us about the community of church and what's important in relationships. We have churches that grew out of grocery stores. It's true. It's <laughs> true. You know, and in, in Jesus' time, there was a temple in Jerusalem, right? A striking building built by Herod. And, and historians say you could, you could see it. You could see the temple from miles away. It was beautiful. And it was, it was carved out of, it was, it was made of, of carved stone. And so when the sun hit it just right, I mean, it just gleamed. That's the word. That's the word. That's, they say it just would shine So there, all throughout history, there have been houses of worship. There have been places and, but, and that temple in Jesus' day, no expense was spared. When Herod built that temple, there was, they, they spared absolutely no expense. They emptied the treasuries to build that temple. It was beautiful. It was striking. Before the temple, there was the tabernacle. There was the tent of meeting in Moses' day, right? God gave instructions, very detailed instructions for the tent of meeting, for the tabernacle. And so Moses built the tabernacle, um, a, a, a massive, beautiful, elaborate tent, designed, passed down from God to Moses. It was built in the desert by the very finest craftsmen uh, in the in the tribes of Israel. The house of the Lord. You know, my house, Kate and I's house, is the connection point for our family. It's the place where we that that we have built and grown our relationships. The place where we've laughed together, cried together, ate together, played, sang, argued, yelled, screamed at each other. That doesn't happen at your house, does it? <laughs> <laughs> danced. We've danced together. We've played music together. We've taken pictures. We've watched movies. We played Mario Kart We've baked and celebrated and all of it with the foundation of our house, our home. We have a little sign on our mantle that says, home is the story of who we are. And who we are is good times, bad times, joyful times, sad times, all of it, heartache as well as exhilaration all happening with home as the base, our platform for moments of relationship as a family. It's the number one place we spend time together. Now, it's not always easy or smooth, and it's not always great. Most of the time, it's boring. And some of the darkest moments of our family have been spent in our home, but we've experienced them together in our house. Our house provides the touch point for our relationship. It's the foundation for our relationship. It's the place where we all feel safe. Our house has reflected Kate and I's intent to build a family, to love each other and grow in relationship. It's a house. It's a home. Today we're talking about the house of the Lord. And we say house, we think building, it's natural. We're, we're human beings in, in 2022. We think building, but the house, listen, is not the sacred thing. Houses can change. It's what happens in the house. The opportunity that happens here to connect with God, that is the sacred thing. The house of the Lord is this idea designed by God as the touch point of relationship between God and humanity. If you take a note today, it should say this, house of the Lord equals relationship with God. The house of the Lord is the touch point, the foundation, the base for our relationship with God. He designed it that way. It's how God relates to humanity, and humanity has the opportunity to relate to God. A specific place that would signify how God wanted to relate to people. How did people in Jesus' time connect with God? The temple. How did people have a relationship with God in Moses' time? The tabernacle, the tent. How about Abraham? How did he connect and relate with God? Altars, places, specific moments that he built to connect with God that God would instruct what about, before, what about before Abraham? What about Adam and Eve? How did they connect with God? What was the touch point of their relationship? What was the house of that time? What, how did they connect with God? We're going to just watch a quick video here. The house of the Lord was the temple, the tent or tabernacle. Before that, there were altars where God's people met with him. And before any of that, before all of that, the temple was the tabernacle, the altars. There was a garden. Let's watch this.
0: If you could go back to the city of Jerusalem during Bible times, the biggest thing you'd see is the temple. This beautiful building was designed by King David and built by King Solomon. And they believed that it was the home of the God of the universe. Wait, I thought God's home was in heaven. Well, the whole point of this earthly temple is that it is the place that overlaps with God's heavenly home. The temple is where God lives and rules all creation as king. That is cool, but even Solomon, who built the temple, did not believe that it could contain the God of the universe, right? Yeah, the building was just a symbol. And it pointed to the fact that all of creation is God's temple. And that is actually what the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, is all about. Really? It says that creation is God's temple. Well, it does not need to say it. The whole story shows it. In Genesis 1, God creates an ordered world out of a dark wasteland by speaking in a series of seven days. Then on the seventh day, God's presence fills creation as he takes up his rest and rule. Similarly, the tabernacle and later the temple were built and dedicated in a series of seven speeches and seven days after which the priest or king could rest and rule in God's presence. Ah, so all of creation is where God intends to dwell. It is like his temple. Exactly. Now, turn the page to Genesis 2 and we get another portrait of creation. This one focuses in on the land. And in the center of the land is a region called Eden, which in Hebrew means delight. And in the middle of delight, God plants a garden in which God and humanity live together. And that is why the temple was modeled after the garden. Filled with imagery of gold and flowers, the menorah symbolized the tree of life. It is the place where God dwells with his people. Oh, got it. And check this out. In the temple, the Israelite priests and Levites were to work and to keep the temple in God's presence. This is exactly the job description given to humanity in the Garden of Eden. So, these humans were the first priests.
1: <laughs> There's a lot in there. Those guys are really smart. Thousands of years before there was a house, there was a garden. In Genesis is also called the garden of the Lord or the garden of Yahweh, the God of Israel. In Ezekiel, it's called the garden of God. See, in Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent is this cradle of civilization, and every creation story, even, do you know, even pagan creation stories reflect this. Did you know that? Even, even stories that are, not, that are not like, oh, that's Bible, or that's canon, or that's Christian, or that's not. Even stories that are outside of the canon, outside of Christianity, say that this was the cradle of civilization. This was the place where, where God created things and where humankind took off from there. At Eden, God made a garden, a specific place that humans connected with and had relationship with him. There was no building or structure or altar there yet. The house of the Lord here on earth should be a place, like they said, that overlaps from heaven and earth. It's a place just where heaven overlaps earth. It's that place where God has set aside to meet with us. Where we connect with God and let our relationship with God flow out from there. It's just a starting place. You know, the, in Eden, um, the, in, in Genesis, the Bible describes everything going out from Eden. There's four rivers and they go out from Eden and they water the garden and they water everything else out from there. This is a picture of our relationship with God. When we meet with God, our when we meet with God in the garden of relationship, that should everything else should flow out from there. It's not this place of just like pouring into us. Yeah, that happens, but when we meet with God, everything else flows out from there. All of our life it's just the starting place, the pattern for how we relate to God and God with us. So let's take a look at a few verses out of Genesis. I say a few verses. I've, we have a little bit of a marathon to go this morning in Scripture. Can we do it? All right. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Let's read that again. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made spring forth up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. Let's skip to verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Let's look at Genesis chapter three. The story continues Uh, in verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, it looked good, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Do you see that? He was with her. Okay. I, anyway, I just need to correct any theology that's off or weird there. Okay. Anyway, I'm not, that's all I'm going to say. All right. <laughs> and he ate it. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made... And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? Hmm. And he, Adam, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? See, God knew. The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. They're passing the buck, see? Genesis three twenty one and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife, so so after this he he talks to each character in the play, and he lays out for them what's the consequences of their actions, but then after he lays out for them the consequences of their actions he says well it says this in twenty one the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and clothed clothed them. Then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and in the east of the garden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Wow, this is a story. This is, I mean, there is a lot here. And we're not going to go into, you know, the theology of all of this, but we're going to get to the good stuff here where, so God creates a man and a woman and he sets them in a beautiful garden that he, and, that he made. God made it. They didn't have to do anything to create it. God made it. So God um, creates everything. And then out of everything, he creates this garden, a place for them. All they have to do is tend to the garden. The planting and the design had been done for them. They're just supposed to take care of it all. There's only one rule. There's just one rule. There are two trees in the middle of the garden, and they're specifically named. And out of, out of those two trees, one of them, they're not allowed to touch, let alone eat from. That's just one rule. Rule. Every good relationship has boundaries. Did you know that? Every good relationship, every healthy relationship has to have boundaries. Marriage, parent-child, siblings, employee to employer. We don't like to talk about boundaries very much. It's not a really sexy topic. Boundaries, ooh. Boundaries aren't fun, necessarily. They're limitations, and people don't like limitations. Do you know that? It's in a, we just don't like limitations. We don't really like to, you know, like oh, there's a this is required of. Well, I was going to do what you said, but now something's required, so I don't know. We don't like boundaries. People rarely like to talk about their limitations. Everybody likes the benefit of benefits of a relationship, but few people like the boundaries. Because the benefits of a relationship actually only exist because of the boundaries. The benefits of a relationship actually only exist because of the boundaries in a relationship. A boundaryless relationship doesn't have the benefits. When I'm driving down, I'm going to just get really personal really quick about my driving. Is that okay? (laughs) This is like the most personal thing I could probably talk about up here (laughs) is the way that I drive. When I'm driving down Shinden and I'm on my way home from work, you know what I really wish? I wish that the speed limit was higher than 35 miles an hour. ACHD if you're watching. Anyway, I wish, I wish... And sometimes I drive like the speed limit were higher than 35 miles an hour. When I'm headed home from work down Shinden, that's what I wish, that's what I want, that's what I desire. But when I'm waiting on 48th to turn left on Shinden, to get into the middle lane to cross four lanes of traffic at 4.57 on an afternoon, I suddenly do not wish that the speed limit was over 35 miles an hour. Are you tracking with me? If you've ever made that turn, you know exactly what I'm saying. It can be terrifying. Suddenly, there are no rules, there are no boundaries even though there's a black and white sign that says it's 35 and if I were on Shinden I would be going faster than 35 but suddenly when I'm at the stop sign waiting and like oh my gosh what oh no oh no suddenly I sure wish everybody else kept the boundary are you hearing me this morning you see the benefit of the boundary on Shinden is everybody gets to where they need to go safely if they follow the boundary. If they don't follow the boundary, I could point you out here at a specific time every day and there is an accident. you picking up what I'm throwing down this morning? Boundaries are important to relationships. We see in Genesis that the relationship with God in the garden was predicated on humanity obeying God's very simple, instruction eat from every tree but one eat from every tree but one building and growing relationship with god we discover that obedience is key obedience this is not a popular word this is less sexy than boundaries obedience. But have you noticed that the word obey means something different to a kid than it does to a parent? Think about that for a second. To a kid, obey is something that they have to do and they do not understand why. Like we just want to control them or something, right? But to a parent, the word obey is based in love. When a parent is requiring obedience from a child, it is based in love. We require our children to obey because we love them and we care about their safety, their, their success, their well-being, and we want them to grow up to be good adults, right? So when we say obey, that's what we're talking about. But they hear something different. But relationship with God is based on this simple understanding that He's God and I'm not. He knows better than I know. Our obedience to Him is not based on some archaic system of religious practice. No, our obedience to God is based on what the Bible refers to as the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, verse 10, 11 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. See, the fear of the Lord is not being scared of God. It's understanding God. I'm going to say that again. The fear of the Lord is not being scared of God. It's understanding him. It's understanding him. When God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden forever, it's not so that they would be afraid of him. God didn't send them out of the garden so that they'd be afraid of him. He sent them out of the garden so that they would understand him. And that the generations to come, all of humanity would understand him. To understand him is to know that he's infinite, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and also kind. He's kind. This always reminds me of the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, if if you're familiar at all with the story, if you're not, you're going to think I'm nuts, and you should probably stop by the bookstore on your way out. Um... In the book, The the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are describing to the children who they're about to meet. They're about to meet Aslan, the lion. They're about to meet the king. He's the king of all creation. He sang a song and created all of it. Now you're like, wait, what book? Hey, it's fine, go read it, it's fine. And as they describe him, Lucy stops and says, but is he safe? Is he safe? To which Mr. Beaver replies, Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's good. Of course he isn't safe. He's good. This is an imperfect example, sure, because God is safe as we know the word, but more than understanding God, we see that in the creation story, it shows us this wild, powerful to us, unpredictable God, this creativity that causes the plants, the mountains and rivers and skies to just burst forth and be. This is not safe, this is good. When he finishes each part of creation, he doesn't go, okay, that's safe. What does he say? Is good. We like to live in a very safe world. We've set it all up. Now it's a buzzword in our culture. Is it safe? Are they safe? Are we safe? Do we feel safe? God's not about us feeling safe. God's about us resting in his goodness. And that means we have to encounter his holiness. He's not looking to provide a safe place for us. He's looking to provide a good place for us. And actually, everywhere that the rivers flow, the uh, Genesis describes where the rivers go. And one of them, it says, it's a good land. It's good. You see, goodness is what's flowing out from the heart of God toward his creation. It's challenging. It doesn't always, it doesn't always you know, rub me the right way. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, God. And he's like, trust me. Why? Because he's good, he's faithful, he's just, and he's right, and I'm not. You see, at the very beginning, the Bible says that the spirit was hovering over the waters. God was moving. God was stirring. God was establishing a pattern in Genesis as, as a standard of his order. You see, God is a God of order, we find in the New Testament. That's what it says. God is a God of order, and it's talking about how we do things in church. But do you know what that means? That means when God shows up, everything is in order. It doesn't matter how it feels to me. God is a God of order. He doesn't do things out of order. So if he's moving, if he's stirring, if he's doing something when he's moving, however he chooses to move, that is order. It doesn't matter how it looks or seems to me or you. After Adam and Eve ate from the tree in disobedience, God comes through the garden looking for them. He's looking for them. What's interesting is that it says he comes walking through the garden Says he walks through the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that a beautiful, such a beautiful poetic phrase? He's walking through the garden in the cool of the day. Do you know what that word "cool" is actually? Actually, the word that's translated "cool" there—it's the same word "ruach." We've been talking about this recently the Spirit stirring over the waters at creation, that wind that was blowing, the wind of the Spirit of God that's described in Scripture, the wind, the blowing of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit, that's the word that's described here at the, as the cool of the day. Interesting, isn't it? They're standing in the garden. They're actually hiding in the garden and they hear the wind of the Spirit moving through. It wasn't just that it was colder than earlier. It's describing the movement of the Holy Spirit, the movement of God through the garden The same word describing the Spirit of God hovering over the waters in creation and the wind of God blowing as the Holy Spirit visits his church, the cool of the day, when the Spirit starts to move, stir, and blow, do you know what happens? It can expose things in our life, and we feel like we should probably hide. Last week, Pastor Jesse taught an excellent message and many of us gathered here at the altar and we felt the Holy Spirit move. Many of us were filled with the Holy Spirit in beautiful ways and the Holy Spirit visited his church last Sunday here at Vineyard Boise. And do you know what can happen when the Spirit of God starts to blow and move? It can start to expose things in our hearts that need to go. When the Spirit of God moves. You see, God's not looking for people that are clean enough for him to fill with his Holy Spirit. He'll come and fill you with his Holy Spirit and he'll just push everything else out. He doesn't need you to somehow get clean and get ready. That's, that's not what he needs. He's the God of the universe. He's the God of creation. He wants to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit and blow upon you with a rock, with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you. His Spirit wants to come and move just like he did at the cool of the day. And what happens is that what happens, we start to hide and be like, I just need to cover up from God. Why? The fear of the Lord. We suddenly understand him a little bit better. A Holy Spirit renewal is coming across the house of the Lord, and it's coming here to Vineyard Boise I'm believing it's coming across our country and around the globe. Renewal, revival, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You call it what you want to call it. I am believing, and I'm speaking out today, that there's a powerful renewal coming to the body of Christ in the earth today. The power of the Holy Spirit is coming on the church. And what happens when that happens is he comes and suddenly we feel exposed. Why? Because he's the God who created everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's going to mess with my stuff. (laughs) If I think I'm going to come into the house of the Lord and just hang out in the presence of God and leave unchanged, I wasn't expecting to meet with God today. You see, when I come to the house of the Lord to meet with God, I expect he's going to put his finger on something and mess with my life. If he didn't, he wouldn't be God. Honestly, some of it might make me uncomfortable. But you know, it's not for my comfort. That's not why renewal comes. Renewal doesn't come for my comfort. It's for the renewal of my relationship with God. It makes beautiful things powerfully and creatively and it makes me feel uncomfortable and unsettled. And if I'm feeling unsettled by the work of the Holy Spirit, it's probably just about right. The inkling... So this... The visitation of the Holy Spirit reminds me of the dedication of Solomon's temple. When Solomon... uh, David made plans to build the temple. And God said, nope, it's not for you. It's going to be for your son. He's going to build it. And so David handed over all of the plans to build the temple, the house of the Lord, to his son Solomon. And after Solomon builds the house, after he builds the temple, after he builds the house of the Lord, after that event, so he dedicates it with this really long prayer, which sometimes we do. Sorry. He dedicates it with a super long prayer. And then at the end of that prayer, the Bible says that the glory of God visited the Holy of Holies in such a powerful way. It filled with smoke. There was a physical manifestation. It filled with smoke. And at that moment, the priests were unable to do their job. They were overpowered by the glory of God. And then after that, Solomon kind of goes back to his house and God comes to Solomon and has a little conversation. See, the glory has come on the house. He's filled the house. He's dwelling there. He's going to be there. That's where he's going to be. He said, yep, I'm here. Thanks for building my house. I'm going to dwell here. My Holy Spirit's here. The smoke came. And then he goes off to the side and he says, now let's talk for just a second. 1 Kings chapter nine, verse three. And the Lord said to him, Solomon, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you've made before me. I've consecrated this house you've built by putting my name on it for, uh, there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. As for you, as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, that's righteousness, doing according to all that I've commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules. He's telling him which trees he can eat from. You hear this? Then I will establish your royal throne forever over Israel as I promised your father saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne. But, verse six, if you turn aside from following me, You and your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I've set up before you, but go serve other gods and worship them, I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and the house I consecrated. And you'll be a byword among the peoples, and this house will become a heap of ruins. It will be closed for business. Why has the Lord, people will say, "Why Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And they will say, quote, because they abandoned the Lord, their God. See, relationship with God is not about God leaving and coming back. God doesn't do that. Relationship between God and humanity has been and will always be humanity leaving God and coming back. That's what it's all about. He's saying, hey, as long as you're with me and you don't go serve other gods and you don't go make sacrifices to other gods, which he did. And as long as you do this, then I'm here. This house is open for business. I will dwell here. God says, follow my ways and the house is open. Relationship flows freely. Turn away from our relationship. And you go your own way and this house will be closed. Relationship with God is always open and ready on his end. It's up to us how close we want to be. See, it's not God's, it's not this like God's way or the highway kind of situation. It's that he knows how we are. He made us. He knows what we're like. That's what his rules are, that's what his rules are for though, to show us what he's like. The house of the Lord is this constant discovery of who God is and drawing closer to him in relationship. He's holy, and the Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light, and disobedience and sin separate us from God, not because God doesn't want to be with us, but because he's holy, and our choice either draws us closer to him in holiness or pushes us farther from him. Genesis shows us what happens when we don't live according to God's boundaries. Adam and Eve were forced to leave the garden. Angels were set to guard the garden gate and bar them from ever coming back and partaking of the tree of life. Why? Because then they'd live forever. It was very simple. He was like, well, now they can't live forever. So see, there were two trees in the garden, right? One was a tree of life. They were free to eat from the tree of life. They were not free to eat from the, the other Adam's first, Adam and Eve's first instinct was to hide from God when he came. You see, the greatest consequence of sin is the loss of face-to-face moments with our creator. Sin always separates us from God. But you know what I love about this story? I love the way that it, it ends. Before it introduces um, Adam and Eve's children and the following generations, what happens is the rest... So. Well, the rest of the Bible, you guys, is all about the lengths God goes to to reestablish relationship with humanity. And He foreshadows it there. He sends them out of the garden, and when He does, what's it say? He mercifully makes for them coverings from the skins of animals to hide their nakedness. He doesn't just let them go out of the garden wrapped in their fig leaves still. He says, No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Before you go, He says, He makes them clothing from the skins of animals to cover their shame and their nakedness. Those skins came from animals. God killed animals and covered them. He covered them with a sacrifice. In that act of mercy, he showed us a foreshadowing of his ultimate intent to cover all of humanity with the sacrifice of his one and only son, the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. You see, even when we don't obey, God still makes a way to have relationship with us. Even when we don't obey, God still makes a way. Even when we run from him, we hide from him, we make mistakes, we do what he said not to do. Even when we disobey him, he still, he still, even then with the very first humans on the planet made a way for them. He covered them. In Egypt, you know, when Israel was stuck in Egypt for hundreds of years, do you know that God provided for them too? This, I feel like this is for somebody. I was supposed to share this. Do you know that God provided for the children of Israel in Egypt with a place called Goshen? Have you heard of the word Goshen. God provided for them. They're in slavery. There they were, it's stuck. They were stuck in slavery. They were stuck. And they felt like there would be no rescue. There would be no hope. Generation after generation after generation of them. Stuck in slavery. But did you know that Goshen contains the same letters as the word garden? It does. First and ending letters, they just swap the middle ones around. Goshen and garden. God still made a way stuck where they were. That's for somebody here today that you feel like you're just so stuck right where you are. You don't know why you're there. You don't know what's happening. You don't know when he's coming for you. And I hear God saying to you this morning, he's made a way. He's provided a place. He's provided a house of the Lord. He's provided a garden right where you are. Let's stand together this morning. Worship team, would you come? We're just gonna close today. In desperate situations, God makes a way. So, we're talking about the house of the Lord. If our house is in disrepair, or we feel distant or separated from God, we know that something has separated us from God. What should we do? What are we supposed to do? How do we repair that relationship? I just want to make some space today. I want to make some space today, because I don't know about you, but God's been dealing with my heart. And today as we've talked about the house of the Lord and relationship with God, that touch point of relationship with him, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to make an opportunity for you to, to meet Jesus today. And then if you feel like your house might be in disrepair or maybe it's just, um, I, I, honestly, as I was walking around meeting with God today, or yeah, this weekend, I was walking around. It was really quiet, just me and, and the Lord. I just felt like I, it wasn't like I had sin in my heart. I had a bunch of junk just sitting there. It felt like I just needed to kind of let God get blow out and get rid of if there's something in your life, in your heart, as we talk about the house of the Lord and being in relationship with God, if there's something that's separating you from God, you know exactly what it is right now. Maybe you are stuck in pornography. Maybe you are stuck in lies of anger and, and you just, you're just stuck. I don't know how, how what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what area that you've walked outside of God's boundaries in, but you, if you know God's boundary and you know you're outside of God's boundary today, the Bible says today's the day to be saved. Today's the day of salvation. Today, God wants to meet with us and change our hearts and get all of the junk out. He came with His Holy Spirit powerfully last week. He wants to do that again this week, but I'll tell you He wants to blow out all of the garbage that's in our life all the junk that's laying around any sin that's just the any sin that you just keep falling into and you're like hey i need i need to be free from this sin so right now just with every every eye closed here in this place i want you to really just let god meet with you the whole the holy spirit today is just here in this house And the house of the Lord is supposed to be where we meet with God, where we can encounter God, God can speak to us, we can speak to God. And I believe today, as I've been talking and sharing scripture with us today, I think God's been putting his finger on a few things in our lives, it's time to repent of. And repentance says, God, I'm sorry, and I'm gonna turn the other way. I repent of this sin, I let go of this sin. Lord, forgive me of this sin, wash me clean of this sin. I wanna move on in faith with you today, Jesus. right now all over this room if there's something you know God's putting his hand on I'm not going to call you forward we're not doing that I want you just to lift up one hand and just say yep that's me I need there's some things I need to repent of in my life right now here today before God yep there's something I'm going to repent With God, before God. I'm here in the house of the Lord. I'm going to lay down this sin. I'm going to lay down uh, these thoughts. I'm going to lay down these patterns. I'm going to lay down these things that are separating me from God today and I'm moving forward in relationship with God. This is what the house of the Lord is for. It's where we come and we meet with God and we lay down sin. We ask for forgiveness and we move on in repentance the other direction. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and as I do, I want you just to go ahead and name whatever that is and just say God, I'm repenting of this thing. I want you to be specific. Come on, be specific with God today. You're at the house of the Lord. Go ahead and name it out before the Lord and be specific. Confess your sin and move on with God today. So, God, today I repent of sin in my life. Lord, would you come and forgive me? Forgive me for sin. Forgive me for areas where I've walked in disobedience to your way, to your boundary. Lord, today I recognize that you have a way that I'm supposed to go. Would you forgive me, God, for not following your way? Forgive me of sin. Hmm, Attitudes of the heart. Come on, we're confessing even attitudes of the heart. Slander against somebody. Offense that I've been carrying that I just refuse to let go of, and now I'm angry at that person, and I'm speaking things. Come on, we are confessing sin, and we're just saying, Lord, we repent of sin. Just take a minute. Come on, the team's just going to play and you just confess sin before the Lord. It's time to repent, ask for forgiveness and we're moving forward with God today. Jesus, forgive me of sin, God. Yes. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, that's what I want today. Would you clean my heart? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. your spirit, it says. I don't want to be separate from you anymore. Jesus, I want to be drawn closer to your heart today. You're all we want. Yes, God. Yes. Mm -hmm. God made Vision for you and I in Jesus Christ to be saved, to be delivered, to be free, to be healed. He made provision in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. So God, today we come before you and we stand under that sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and we say, would you forgive us our sin? Forgive us of our sin today, God. Wash us, cleanse us, make us new. You're making in us a new creation. Draw us closer to you as a people, Jesus, we ask. We lay down sin. We lay down sin right now in Jesus' name. And we take up the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We stand in the righteousness of God. Yes, God. And so now from this place of repentance, what we're going to do is we're going to step into what's called intercession. We're going to ask God. We're going to ask God for something. We're going to say, God, you visited your people before with the power of your Holy Spirit, would you do it again? We're standing in a place of repentance. We're standing with humble hearts, and we're saying, would you, God, do it again? And so now, all over this room, I want you just to let a prayer of intercession rise out of your heart that says, Holy Spirit, come and visit your church again. All over this room, speak it out. Holy Spirit, would you come and visit your church again? We desperately need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit you come and fill every heart. Holy Spirit, come fill every heart, fill every life. Father, I'm asking that you would come and dwell in us, God, as the house of God, as the house of the Lord. Lord, that you would meet with us, your people, that you would dwell in us and that your Holy Spirit would flow from us to the world around us that so desperately needs you, God, today. Nothing else can change a culture like your Holy Spirit will change a culture. Nothing else can change a city like the Holy Spirit can come and change a city. Listen, nothing else can come and change a marriage like the Holy Spirit can come and change a marriage. Nothing can come and change a house, a family, like the Holy Spirit can come and change a family. Come Holy Spirit. Renew our hearts, God. We stand before you, forgiven of sin, washed of our sin, cleansed of our sin. Would you come with your Holy Spirit and fill our lives again, fill our hearts and fill our churches again? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Yes. And then as we close this morning, there's some of us today and you maybe feel a little bit like Adam and Eve. Maybe you feel like you're a little bit, maybe you're hiding from God right now. You might even know what he wants from you and you're just kind of like, boy, I don't know. You're just kind of hiding out in clothes of your own making. And he's saying, no, let me, let me do it. He's saying to you today, let me do it. Let me meet with you. Let me lead you into destiny and purpose. Let me lead you. He's saying, hey, if you'll take my hand, I'll guide you out of here. I just hear that from the Lord. Stop hiding from him. Stop hiding. He's calling out to you. Hey, and he's saying, hey, where are you? If that's you this morning, would you just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm ready. I don't know where to go, I don't quite know what to do. I'm a little bit nervous, I'm a little bit scared. I'm walking in the fear of the Lord, but I'm saying, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Lord, we say that today as a church, here we are. I speak that over life group leaders. As you get ready to kick off your fall, I speak that over life group leaders, the strength and grace of God to pour into people's lives day after day, week after week, and do what God's called you to do. Life group leaders, I speak a blessing over you today. Jesus, we say we're here for you. We wanna meet with you. So God, today, I just speak a blessing over your church. I speak a blessing over your people, God. We have a couple of words from the Lord this morning as we close. If you if you need prayer for anything, our team is always ready to pray. And so if you need prayer for any reason, I want you just to come on up to the altar and a member of the ministry team will meet with you and pray with you for anything you need. Um, there's a couple of words from the Lord this morning. One of things God spoke was to close the door and don't let satan in, like the, the enemy's right at your door. It says, don't be threatened by the enemy knocking at your door. Come get prayer this morning. Somebody is struggling with their left shoulder. Somebody's struggling specifically with bursitis in their left shoulder. And then somebody's struggling uh, uh, with uh, with diabetes and they're, they're scared they're scared of losing parts of their feet. We wanna pray with you and see God heal you and deliver you and heal you today. So God bless you. Go make the invisible God visible. Have an incredible afternoon. Enjoy whatever game you're watching today. Have an awesome day, you guys. Come forward for prayer for anything we want to pray for you this morning.
0: Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.